You're listening to the Rick Soto Podcast. For more information about Pastor Rick Soto and the Ranch Church, go to ranchchurch.com. We're in the book of Romans, and I'm actually going to do a, if you will, a, a, a specialized study to help us understand some of the unique things that are going on in the book of Romans. So I've titled this message, Jesus the Jew, Prophecy and You. How about that? And uh, by way of reference to start, I'm going to read Acts chapter 29. So just join me uh, in Acts chapter 2 and verse 29. And then I'm going to read uh, out this section a little bit, and then we're going to pray. So my Bible's not cooperating here. Acts chapter 2. Maybe you have got there quicker. Come on. And so here, here this section says, Brothers, I say to you with confidence about the patriarch David, that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus raised up, and of that we are all witnesses, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend to heavens, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. So let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Father, speak to us now, for we come to you, and we are desperate for you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? amen. Okay, so the idea of prophecy, I want you to stick with me. This is one of the more exciting concepts to get a hold of in the Bible. Now, when I say prophecy, I'm not talking about end times. So I'm not talking about when Jesus is going to come back. I hope you all would raise your hand and say, praise Jesus, come back. And, and to be even more doctrinally precise, like rapture me, Jesus. You know, like just whoop, take me up to the heavens right now. Like, you know, give me that new life and that new body. I'm ready for it now. We're not talking about that. <laughs> that is a different prophecy that's called end times prophecy. It belongs to a different way of understanding what the Bible's talking about. So nor are we talking about something called the prophetic by way of reference that's found in 1 Corinthians 14. And the prophetic is wonderful. May you experience the Holy Spirit's ministry in the prophetic. May you practice it. May you walk in it. May you know that it's a present reality. All of that is for encouragement. That's what that means. And so it's a way, when you read 1 Corinthians 14, you find out that as we interact with the gospel, as Jesus Christ comes on us, as he comes upon us as a church, that we have a supernatural, unique ability to hear from God and understand how to love and encourage somebody. So I don't know about you. Ever have bad days? Ever have challenging days? Ever have doubts and insecurities? All of that is natural even to believers as we walk through our humanity. And yet God has a gift for you. It's called the prophetic. And you can interact with other people in prayer 
And in prayer, God will unlock some secrets that have been in your heart or unlock some private places. And the Holy Spirit will just get in there and marinate your heart and soul and give you that Jesus power superpower. Amen? Amen. That's just a beautiful gift. It's beautiful to experience. And we practice that and we cultivate that in our church. So we're not talking about that either. (laughs) We're talking about Jesus the Messiah. That's what we mean when we say Jesus the Jew. Jesus was a Jew. He is the Jewish Messiah. And prophecy is related to him, to his coming. It affects Easter. It affects everything that we believe. Now, lastly, by way of introduction, as I talk about these things, I want you to understand something that you could frequent on YouTube. Now, listen, sometimes I go to bed with what I'm about to say when I go on a YouTube channel because I love these are primarily 20-somethings, and it's the coolest thing ever if you ask me. They have an iPhone or their, you know, their video something, and, and they'll be on the top of a football stadium. I don't know how high that is. And they'll have a little itty-bitty trash can, and they've got a baseball, they've got a basketball or a football or a soccer ball, and they're going to kick it, and this thing's going to sail forever as it comes from the very top of the stadium all the way down, all the way down, and you can find, you can see, you can see it on the camera. It goes a single shot, boom, and they hit it, and then everybody goes crazy. Have you seen these? I love it. I love them. It's a great way to go to bed. I mean, I'm totally inspired by that, okay? But now, these, these YouTubers, these channel creators, they have special, you know, uh, specials, if you will, uh, view, uh, videos that they put together and they say, okay, let me show you how we did it. Let me show you how we did it. Here's what they did it. They had like a million tries. <laughs> I mean, they tried it hour after hour and day after day. And they did it constantly. And then they finally got lucky one time. They go, great. And now we're going to post that. In fact, to illustrate this, I decided not to do this because it would make church just too silly. But the, the, the college pastor and me from before would, would kind of do this with kids. You know, I'd have a kid with the football all the way on the other side of the tent here. And then I'd have a trash can here. And I'd say, okay, who's bold enough to try it? And I'll see if you can get it the first time. On an occasion, you got a kid with a good arm, boy or girl. And, uh, and they'll make it in the trash. They'll say, okay, can you do it every time? No, you can't do it every time. The purpose of that, I mean, what I want to tell you is I could quote you mathematical numbers and probability. I could tell you about statistics. I could tell you about math. I could quote these academics who have said, what is the probability that one person in human history could by themselves of their own will, by their own volition, fulfill messianic biblical prophecy? What's the chance? There is no chance. (laughs) It's a miracle. And that's what it is. It's an absolute miracle. And in the introduction of what I read to you here, this is Peter's first sermon. And he's starting out by saying, Brothers, I can say with you the confidence about the patriarch David. Listen, we all know King David is what he's saying. We're all Jews. We're all in Jerusalem. And I know where he's buried. In fact, we worship there and we revere him in in inappropriate ways, in the same way that we have tombs. You know, my father's going to be buried, like I said, at a military uh, burial site in a national cemetery. And we're going to know who's there. And there's lots of people. We know who's there. Peter's saying, we know where King David is buried, and he's dead to this day. 
And then he's going to transition. He says, we know when Jesus was crucified, and we know where he's buried, and he's not dead this day. He's resurrected from the dead. He is our Lord. He is our God. He's our Savior. And what he's referring to is what is known as these messianic prophecies that have been spoken from so far, so far before that we have to talk about them. So I'm only going to outline four. Now, I'm only outlying in my current study, I have over 300 Messianic prophecies. And I will send you, if you are part of our email system, or if you're on our app, or if you're on our YouTube channel, I will put a link where you can actually see this. It's a PDF, and you'll get the download, and you'll, you'll see more than 300. It'll say, Old Testament, New Testament, that's what it was. Old Testament, New Testament, that's what it was. 300 or more. Nobody can make this up. It's not a fantasy. We're not guessing. I mean, God really came through to illustrate it clearly to us. Okay, church, are you ready? All right, here's the first one. Here's the first one. Let's call this Jesus the Eternal King. So by way of reference, you can lock this down in your digital device. I'm not going to read it. I'm just going to quote it to you by way of reference. It's 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 12. And in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 12, the promise to King David, stinking sinner that he was. <laughs> I mean, this was a man who was very complicated. And God was doing great things in his life. And yet his grace is so rich as it is for you and for I that David's sin did not stop what we're about to say. 2 Samuel chapter 7, and verse 12. David, you are on your throne will be the eternal son of God. There will be a son of David who will actually, of that bloodline, be the Messiah, be God in human flesh, and he will reign on that throne forever and ever. Amen. And when you study Jewish theologians, they wanted to know when that time was, when that place was. How would this be possible? David's a human being. He just died. He just died like a regular guy. Who is going to be this person who's going to sit on the throne of David forever? So now, very easily, if you go in your Bibles, go to Matthew chapter 1. And in Matthew chapter 1, Verse 1, this is why Matthew's genealogy now starts out by way of a reference. It says, the book of genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of who? Say it out loud if, you see, if you're there. What does it say? The son of who? The son of David. Matthew is starting the very teachings of Jesus on that very principle that I'm quoting to you in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 12. There had to be an eternal son of David. It's how you know. When you go down the highway, you see signs. Or, uh, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't talk about maps. I like these old maps. That would be the way to actually, in my generation, have done this. But now we have phones. And so you have a phone that's a signpost. It tells you to turn left. It tells you to turn right. Some of your phones, that you can change the voice on it. So some of your phones, it's like, turn right now. Other phones try and feminize it. Oh, hi. <laughs> Turn right there, dear. All right, so don't tell me what your phone is, but you can do that. This is a signpost of when to turn right and when to turn left. The book of genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Now the list goes on. Luke will say it in very interesting terms. Let me get to Luke's gospel right here. And what is Luke going to say? What is Luke going to say? This is going to be very, very interesting. In verse 32, 
And the angel answered and said, oh, wait, I got to back up. I had to put my glasses on. Okay, there it is. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. This is the teaching uh, that Mary is actually receiving. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and ever. And of his kingdom, there'll be no end. So this is, this is what the gospel's teaching us. We have an eternal king right now. His name's Jesus. And there is no higher name. And there is no greater power. And he's mighty to save. And he will hear your prayers. And he will hear the cries of your heart. And he will understand your weak moments. He will understand every depression that you have. And he will never forget about you. And he will lift you up higher and higher than you ever could have lifted yourself up if you were on your proudest day. And in your weakest moment, he will grab you and hold himself. His teaching is that I, I, the Father in me will hold you in this hand and we will never let you go. There's no demon that can have authority over you. There's no bodily illness that can ever take you out. You can be saved and you can be secure and you can know because Jesus is king. He is that eternal king. And so this is why we study a messianic prophecy. Like he's not just king because Matthew decided to write some lofty words or prose about it. It's because it's spoken of before and he has proved it time and time again. So first, Jesus is his forever king. Okay, now this one, this one, this next one, the second one is going to cook your noodle a little bit. All right, this is going to cook your noodle a little bit. So we're going to go to an Old Testament book named Hosea. And Hosea chapter 11, verse 2, again, I will have this for you online. And I just want you to, I just want you to reverence. But this is Hosea chapter 11. And in chapter 11, verse 1 says, When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. Everybody say the word Egypt. Egypt. Out of Egypt, I called my son. Now, the cross-reference to that is going to be back. I know I'm, I'm, I'm messing with you guys a little bit here. That's actually going to be in Matthew. And so in Matthew's gospel... And now we're going to pick it up in verse 14. Remember, out of Egypt I called my son. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 2. I'll pick it up in verse 13. says, Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appealed to Joseph in a dream. Rise and take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt, and remained there until the death of Herod. And this was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. What's that line? Out of Egypt I call my son. Okay, I know I went through that a little quick. Hosea in the Old Testament, chapter 11, and verse 2. In the New Testament here, Matthew chapter 2, that is actually after the birth of Jesus. It's more surrounding the Christmas story. And it's actually about this sad event where King Herod was going to try and destroy lots of babies in an attempt to try and get to Jesus. And it's not going to work. So let's talk about Hosea. Hosea chapter 11. So Hosea is actually writing, now get this, 750 years before Jesus. Internalize that, church. 750 years before Jesus, Hosea says, out of Egypt I have called my son. And then the New Testament now will show the events of which Christ is going through to actually fulfill that. 
Hosea is actually just before, just before the prophet Isaiah. And there was a civil war in ancient Israel. And so much how we had a civil war, only our nation was able to reunite. And so on the southern portion, there were two tribes. The north, there were ten. And Hosea is going to the north, and he's going to be talking about God's love. He's going to be talking about even though you sin against God, he loves you. He's going to be talking about how he wants to pull you back into a deep fellowship with him. And he's going to keep this signpost, this signpost that out of Egypt he is called my son. So the principle here, when you think about Jesus, and when you think about the context of Hosea is one of safety. And Jesus can keep you safe. And Jesus will keep you safe. He will keep you at peace, and he will keep you safe. Okay, let me keep moving now, and we're going to move. I'll give you this reference. You can stay in the New Testament because I'll come back to it. The New Testament reference will be Luke chapter 1, verse 50, but Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. And Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14 is going to say the following. Hang on, let me get there. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And that is the exact same reference that we're going to find ourselves in Luke's gospel, where Luke is going to reference it the exact uh, same way and talk about it in the exact same way. And so this is the idea of God being with us and God being with us all the way until the very end. I got to go to Matthew's gospel. I think I tripped over myself. I did. I did. I did trip over myself. I'm in Matthew's gospel, chapter 1, verse 22, which says, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. I knew I had that wrong. So that is in uh, Matthew's gospel, chapter 1, as well. God with us. God with us. Few things are greater than we can ever talk about in the gospel. And perhaps nothing greater in life, the very reality that God is actually truly with us. This ongoing present reality. This is how Christians claim that our lives have actually been changed. And so this is what we're talking about. These are these signposts of Jesus being the Jewish messianic messiah and this prophecy coming and showing us that it's actually all true and it is true that god's with us okay i've got a last fourth fourth uh sort of cross-reference series here and then i got a few things that i can apply so this one is really beautiful i'm going to quote this for you i'll be in isaiah for the moment again and then we'll we'll uh will make life a lot easier for you but i want you to listen to this in isaiah chapter 61 verse 1 which says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the favor of the Lord in the day of vengeance are our God. Catch this church to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit. They shall be called the oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Man, amen to that. Amen to that. 
Isaiah will quote that again in the same very similar way in Luke, excuse me, Luke will quote that in Luke chapter 4 and in verse 16 and on. Christians, by the power of God, being born again, have had sin set free in their life. So I don't know what your story is or what negativity has bound you, whatever setbacks ever came upon you, but that is not your story anymore. That is not the finality of who you are. All of that is something that has been dealt with at the cross. So your negative things that have come upon you, your own sin done at your own hand, all the things that people would throw at you, every circumstance, that is not you. You have a different chapter in life, as I'll talk about in a moment. And God has a different plan. But it is actually to set your heart free. And so let's talk about what sets our hearts free and how that works. I got three principles we're going to run for home. The first thing that this messianic prophecy tells you is the prophecy of Jesus being the eternal king. Uh, the idea of uh, Hosea and this peace and God being with us and, the, and setting the captives free is that when Christ comes into your life, he changes your story and he changes the chapter in your story. And so some of you tend, when you look at your life, you tend to read only the bad stuff. This didn't work out, and that didn't work out, and this is against me. And you have this stuff in your head that constantly goes back and forth and back and forth. And Christ is changing the story of your life into a blessed one, into a sweet one, into a good one. So secondly, how this comes about as he changes your story, and you can see this on our website. You go to ranchchurch.com, you're going to see it. It's personal to me, and it's been personal to you. It's the idea of what we even heard from Gabriel here in this testimony. I can trust God. I can trust God because he has actually provided a guarantee that he is that trustworthy. Am I knocking on death's door? Yes, I can trust him. Am I knocking in the darkest moment of my life? Yes. Is it the most serious financial moment? I can trust him. You name the circumstance, you name the issue, you name the darkness, and you can trust God and the light will come. It is his promise to his children. You are not alone. No, you are not alone. He has planted you. That's what we read in Isaiah. You are to be this oak of righteousness that is his promise to you. His grace will be sufficient. Listen, church, I know that I'm, I'm getting after it today, hopefully to help you to understand that when we talk about a messianic prophecy, it is not a dry doctrine. It is a living life. And if Jesus, almost a thousand years, can see that he's been prophesied and then call it on that day, then we can trust him. I'm not even talking about the Messianic prophecy where you can mathematically add it up and find the very same day that Jesus got on the cross and got off the cross. That would require me to have an audiovisual presentation to take you through the mathematics, and I've done that for you at other times. You can trust God. He will give you a guarantee. He will give you a guarantee, and you can trust Him. Third, in how we change the story and chapters of our lives and apply this, is that we, we plant ourselves in a sweet community that's worth fighting for. And you cannot do it alone. I got a, just the most wonderful, wonderful note. It's actually from some people that are 
actually in a different state and got saved through our, our, our digital services and ended up giving their lives to the Lord. I ended up uh, doing their, 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 their wedding services and, and most of these discipleship conversations were going on on Zoom because these people reached out and said, hey, we don't know who you are, but you know, we just got saved through, through the Ranch Church's teachings. You know, can we talk? And it's like, you did what? Like, you know, it's just us. We're not like some mega church or have 10 million views or whatever. But I mean, talk about save, save, Jesus, you know, save. Like, and, and I thought it was a joke. And like, wow, that's amazing. And so anyway, they're putting their lives together. I'm going to do their wedding. I did their wedding. Well, part of the context of talking about how to be a Christian and how to be married is that you have to do it in a communal way. You have to plant yourself in a community. You have to plant yourself amongst people who are going to help you stay planted. No married couple can listen to all the negativity and make it. They can't. It's just so difficult. You cannot be married and surround yourself with people who go, yeah, I know how he is. You should leave him. <laughs> oh, man. You know, why are you with that guy? I never liked that guy. I always thought he was ugly. I didn't want to tell you beforehand because I wanted to be in your wedding and I wanted you to buy me that nice dress and I wanted to go on the nice girlfriend party and be on the boat and then shake it and all that kind of stuff. I didn't want to tell you the truth then. I'll tell you the truth now. I'll tell you the truth now. And you know that's, the, that's out there. Leave them. It's not worth it. He's a dirtbag. She's scum. All of those voices. You can do better. You know what? They don't tell you what your friends don't tell you when they're drinking that wine and throwing them back and consuming all the junk that is all part of that nasty, sinful, addictive behavior is that you take your sin with you. You make it together in marriage and in a church by planting yourself together amongst those who say, we're going to get through this. We're going to trust God because he is going to part the waters. He will resurrect love in our hearts. He will teach us about friendship. We will be people who will humble ourselves and accept rebuke when necessary, correction when necessary, encouragement always. We will humble ourselves. We will not be in human relationships or in a church or in a marriage and think that we have every answer, that nothing doesn't belong to us. No, we'll actually humble ourselves. And so the way, the way we change and the way we have these supernatural miracles is that we plant ourselves in a community that's worth fighting for. Church, if you want to know why I'm still here, it's that. You're worth fighting for. And that's what Christ is doing with his church. You're worth fighting for. And so angels come, and the Spirit comes, and the Word of God comes, and we preach and proclaim that the church of Jesus Christ is worth fighting for. So that we would love one another. So that we would be that city on a hill, that shining light. A shining light is not about perfection. It's like, let me show you my weakness so that you could see the grace of God. There are lines that we cross positively with one another. There are lines that we cross with God. To affirm things. Have a best friend 
You know what you do if it's really a best friend? If you're listening to yourself, you're actually affirming that relationship. I love you, bro. Thanks for coming over. Man, that text meant so much to me. It's so good. Man, you make me laugh sometimes. That is so great. Right? And the gals have their languaging of that. I need help from the sisters because I, you know. But we affirm one another in that way. A church internally needs to have that same affirmation to one another and to Jesus Christ. So I'm going to pray. And I'm just going to pray a blessing over you. And I'm going to ask that the Holy Spirit do whatever the Holy Spirit wants to do. I believe some of you need to find a true, deep confidence in the Word of God and in Christ. A true, deep, abiding confidence full of God and full of Christ. And I'm going to pray that our hearts or mind would have a supernatural, supernatural, supernatural interaction. So let's pray. Father, we come at this moment so moved by the prophecies, God, that over thousands of years and hundreds of years, you spoke of Christ. And through multiple cultures and wars and famines, you spoke of Christ. And at that perfect day and hour and moment, you brought yourself into the human race. And at that perfect moment, you shed your blood that we could be saved. So I pray now, God, that you would help us as your church to have a deep and abiding confidence in your true work and that we would live and walk out of a true and divine power. Thank you for listening to the Rick Soto Podcast. For more information about Pastor Rick Soto and the Ranch Church, go to ranchchurch.com.